The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Yeah, I I have been fascinated by the subject for a long time, and I'm very, very happy that you made this documentary. And it's a very good documentary, by thank the way. You. Thank you for making it, and thank you for highlighting this very, very important issue that seems to have been really confused and I'm, I'm really glad how you covered it in this uh, documentary about Three Mile Island and Chernobyl and Fukushima. We have these ideas in our mind about the dangers of nuclear power and I love the analogy that you made in the film about how driving a car is not scary but it's dangerous. Flying in a plane feels scary but it's far safer. Yeah. And this is a great analogy to nuclear power. When you went over the, the data, when you talked about the amount of deaths from coal every year, when you talk about the amount of deaths overall ever from nuclear, it's, it's stunning. It is. It's stunning. Yeah. And then when you cut to, in the documentary, you showed the anti-nuclear movement that happened after Three Mile Island. Yeah. And how crazy it was. It, yeah. There's all these stars and celebrities, and they're doing concerts. We've got to stop nuclear power. And... What a mess. That happens when, it, it, when a fad, I mean, becomes fashionable. Yeah. It was a very successful movement. You're talking about the negatives here mm -hmm. and the accidents. And uh, we, we cover all that in the film, which is called Nuclear Now. And the idea that was behind it was because I really was like you. I mean, I, I went along with those things in the 70s and the 80s because mm -hmm. I didn't know better. I, didn't, I wasn't educated. I, would, I really wanted to know what is nuclear power. I wanted to go back to the source. And you've got to go back to the beginning. And you've got to go back to Marie Curie and Albert Einstein and World War II and all how it, could, how it got developed, this nuclear energy is a beautiful, incredible, almost a miracle that was given to us that we have an earth. It's all, it's in the earth, uranium, it's everywhere. The planet, the earth, the sun. And we, in a sense, uh, we took it like Prometheus and we kind of misinterpreted it, misused it, which is not, which is kind of normal for given what we do with natural things. World War II was happening just as the, as the nuclear fission was being understood and that made the bomb they made the bomb with it because there was a war on and they they rushed it and they did a they did an amazing job oppenheimer down in, uh the, the in los alamos but and they got it and they were successful but uh, as you know it was misunderstood at that point that nuclear energy was not nuclear bomb in the contrary it was a bomb is very difficult to build and it takes a lot. It takes years sometimes. It takes scientists, and they have to enrich the plutonium, and they have to work at it. There's all f uh, configurations in the bomb that don't exist in nuclear energy. So when people see a nuclear energy plant, they subconsciously they cross it with both war and they cross it with horror films that they've seen in the 1950s with radioactivity and monsters that come out of that. You know, spider. Yeah. The spider bites the uh, man, and he becomes Spider-Man. You know, Hulk, it's, yeah. it's incredible the stuff that happens, and it's all. And it's, Hollywood has done no favors to it. It's continued for years and years and years, and then, of course, you had uh, Three Mile Island. Uh, the film was coming out at the same time, uh, China Syndrome, 
uh, with Jane Fonda. It was a good film. I enjoyed it. We all enjoyed it, but it really was hysterical and alarmist. Saying and nothing happened at Three Mile Island except the reactor did melt down, but nobody get got hurt because the containment structure worked to keep it in. To keep it in, so there was no release of ra- radiation. And uh, they continued on. Silkwood was another one, and then. If you remember, uh, not too long ago, there was the HBO thing, Chernobyl, yeah, which was a complete fictionalization of what happened at Chernobyl. So we went to Russia, and we talked to the scientists there, and we wanted to know what happened at Chernobyl, and we find out, and it's in the film. And the same thing is true for Fukushima, which is unbelievable, because I, when you go to the bottom of it, it's, I was astounded to to find out that, that no, nobody died there from radiation. Not one Japanese. They checked yeah. the whole thing out, and it's been done to death. But you hear about 15,000, 20,000 people died from the tsunami and the earthquake, which is the biggest earthquake Japan ever had. I mean, really, we show the earthquake. We show the tsunami. The wave was 100 feet tall. There was a badly built wall. The wall was not a seawall that was could hold, and... The generators were flooded beneath uh, the, the water, and and these are these were also not state of the art. Um, that's right. Re- yeah. It's like what what they can do now in terms of these power plants. Is... No, the, uh, the everything gets better. I mean, the, yeah. But even the, those those uh, nuclear reactors built 60, 70 years ago are still functioning. They're legacy reactors. They do work, yeah. And we mustn't d- dismiss them. Yeah, it gets better. The technology gets better, like as in any business. You, and there's another generation, and it's better, but hopefully better. But, uh, but the point was that they could avoid what happened in Fukushima today. Well, Fukushima was a, if you if you look at the, closely, Japan had built twenty uh, some reactors at that point, and this one is the only. The others were exposed to the same earthquake and the same kind of. Tsunami, several of them were on that same coastline, but this particular one, this uh, plant, was uh, was the only one that was shaken up. And even then, all the radiation that was released, there was a hydrogen explosion. All the expl- the, that radiation released in the air, you heard about it, it was another, supposed to be another Chernobyl. Well, they, you, we have shots in the film showing, they're taking tests on all the Japanese citizens, and Nobody get you know, it's low-level, what they call low-level radiation, which is we can sustain it. We have, our, we have DNA in our body that fixes, repairs our body as each day goes by. We, uh, but it's also, you point out very well in the film, that there's a lot of radiation that you don't even take into consideration that you encounter constantly. We have right. this idea of radiation as being a, a net negative. It's a terrible thing, but it's just a thing. You get it from being outside. You get it from rocks. You get it from all sorts of things. There's radiation in this room. It's 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 uh, you get radiation from eating a banana. I think what you said is so it's so true that films and um, and and comic books and are fictions of radiation. That's part of the problem. Yeah, that started early. It's in the a 50s. giant problem because comic books and all that. It plays to the worst aspects of human nature, which is we just lo- love to get terrified about headlines, and so we don't read into the devil of the details. Exactly, that's what was confusing to me, and I really you know, we're miseducated, uh, uh, and there is still a bias against nuclear. If you mention it to anybody, yeah, it's scary instantly. And, 
It's yeah, but the the point is we can live with it, and we have to because we're facing we're facing a very difficult situation, a, a cliff that we're going to f- go over, and it seems that no one's really getting it. So that's why I felt like the film. I wanted to know. I need to educate myself. So in doing the film. I think I was able to bring out these things you talk about. What is wrong with nuclear energy? It can work. It is a miracle. We should use it, and we should use it abundantly. The Chinese have, and the Russians are way ahead of us. They've built this. They built it, and they built it with government backing, not like the U.S., where we kind of back it, but we don't really back it. So uh, as a result, well, China's really cutting out now because they have about 70 reactors, uh, approximately 70 reactors. Yeah, about 74, I think. Anyway, they're building, and I've heard, uh, I can't, uh, I don't remember the source, but I did hear that they're putting another $140 billion into this thing, which means that they're going to build 150-some reactors over the next, uh, by 2038. That is a serious investment. Serious investment. Wow. That's a serious investment that would take a long time for us to catch up to. Oh, it's not about competing. It's right, about but if we wanted to do what they're doing right now, yeah. well, we have, we, even if it's not competing, just to, do, just to be current. Yeah. So they're the leader right now in it. Well, no, uh, we're the biggest country in the world. We still have 90-some reactors online. So China's climate goals hinge on a $440 billion nuclear build-out. That's interesting. So we, have, we still have more, even with all the negative stereotypes about nuclear reactors. Planning yeah. at least 150 yeah. new reactors in the next 15 years. Yeah, more than the rest of the world has built in the past 35. That's correct. Wow. That's, I'm surprised you remember. No, yeah. it just says it right there in the article. Oh, okay. Jamie just had it pulled up. China uh, has, well, you got a system worked out. Yeah, I, Jamie's uh, a wizard. Look at him over there. He's the best. He's, he doesn't know what the so, film is about. Even. But, uh, <laughs> this uh, this uh, article that you just pulled up, Jamie, this is from uh, Bloomberg. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, you see, you got the source right away. I, yeah, I and this it. is from 2021. Um, it's this this whole thing. It's it is exactly how you lay it out in the film. It's almost like we have to cure ourselves of these misconceptions, yeah. and if we don't, we're screwed. China's building, man. They don't fuck around. Now they have a lot of coal. They still build, they're still building coal plants right. because they have a huge demand, and they have to get off the coal. That is crucial because they are completely contaminating the atmosphere as well. The more nuclear they build, the better it will be. The contamination from coal is terrifying. <coughs> we, we showed a um, a documentary that had been done. Do you remember the documentary? No, but I remember it was in, it was in Indiana. <laughs> It was uh, a documentary. It was all about uh, one of the things that was highlighting is all, all the people that live around these plants yeah. and the air quality that they suffer. It's yeah. insane. Their cars are covered with like a thin film yeah. of you know all the particulates in the in the atmosphere. That's correct. It's yeah. horrible. They estimate. From air pollution alone, I've read figures of four million deaths a year. It's just so many, you need so many cases of, you know, respiratory illnesses, yeah. and oh, it's horrible. That's, I want to say four million a year from air pollution, but one million at least from coal a year. That's what I've seen, but there could be more coal in the. So it's and really, who knows what the the health <clears throat> negatives are on top of that? Like how many people are suffering with illnesses and yeah. ailments because? Of those particles, especially around those reactors or or the, or the plants, rather, yeah. it's horrible. 
Well, we still have coal in the U.S. Yeah. Between, no, this was in the U.S. This was in Indiana, correct? Oh, yeah. No, and they have coal everywhere. I mean, J J President Trump said uh, uh, Trump digs coal. I dig coal. He said clean coal once. It was just like, what the clean coal, fuck no. are you saying? <laughs> the fuck are you saying? Cleaner than what? <laughs> the uh, other... Lighting tires? Now, the other uh, truth that we miss is gas. Now, we know how ugly the oil thing is. I mean, there's the waste and all the oil, and this fossil fuel itself is destroying the universe because we're putting carbon into the atmosphere, CO2. But uh, gas is considered, they're using gas everywhere. Uh, even It seems like a modern thing. They say, well, Renewables, which are solar and uh, wind, those are we're all for that. I want wind, we want solar, but they don't work all the time. They run out in the winter, at night. Is it also a problem with battery technology when it comes well, to those things? Well, that's part of it too. But the point is, when they run out, what they need is gas backup. It's backup. Mm -hmm. You see, nuclear doesn't need storage and it doesn't need backup. What's the beauty of it? It's a real clean energy. And uh, gas does, I mean, uh, 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 renewables do need backup, and that backup is gas. The, the, so it's not 100%, like, the, one, of the, one of the issues is about uh, storage, the waste. Yeah. And when you talked about just the, the size of the amount of storage, it's not nearly as much as a lot of people think it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, the amount of, we, uh, it's, it's, all the waste that we America has used up to now in the last, since the 1958, whenever shipping port was built, has amounts to about the size of Walmart, frankly. You could put it in a Walmart. In other right. words, people make a big deal about waste, but they don't realize that it's so intensive, uh, an energy, huge amount of energy that it's, it's uh, com how do you say, compact as a result. So it fits into a... It, if uh, waste itself is, is, is a positive about nuclear, because, first of all, there's been no harm done. So it's been buried in casks, and it, first of all, it goes into water for maybe two, three years, and that's a conductor that takes, takes the radioactivity down, and then it gets put into casks that are 12 to 14 feet. They build these casks in the United States. They're concrete and steel, concrete... Uh, is a great, uh, does not conduct uh, radioactivity. Concrete stops it. So concrete and, and steel ga casks work. They can go for 100 years, and then you can go another 100 years. And then eventually, eventually, you realize that radioactivity drops each time. It, in four or five years, it's way down. It tops to almost, if you, I, I don't have all the figures, but you can see that it's, it's a ridiculous fear given Compared to what, given climate change is so dangerous. And compared to the deaths that are already occurring every year just from you using the methods we have now, in, in comparison to the amount of people that have died from nuclear, it's very, very small. Well, the only people who have died from nuclear that we know of are returnable. There were right. 50 first responders who died in the actual... Uh, they were the badly, badly protected. They were sent in by a corrupt and, and decaying Soviet government. And then they were hiding the fact that there was a leak. The radioactivity went all over northern Europe. 
And still, that was it was not that what we think it is. It's not like Hiroshima or right. Nagasaki. It wasn't that enriched uh, kind of radiation. It was a low-level radiation that exists that went out there. And they went out. The UN went in and the WHO went in. And it was really exhaustive what they did. And uh, they came up with a number of about 4,000 possible deaths from cancer after Chernobyl. Now, since then, there's been another examination by another scientific organization that says that is even in a high number. We don't really know because people die from cancer, you know, naturally. So we don't really know how bad Chernobyl was, but nothing like what has been, pre- what the environmentalists right. say is the end of the world and or the HBO series. Oh, the HBO was a disaster. I mean, it was. I it, didn't see it, but I heard it was great. Yeah, it was great, great as, ten- as tension and yeah. all that. Yeah, I, I make movies, I know. <laughs> you can make movies out of disasters, but yeah. it's not fair. It's not fair. It's Nuclear has never had humanity. one proponent. Nobody in, that's what bothered me. Nobody right. said it's a good thing as opposed to it's this horrible beast. It's crazy that it's something like that that's right in front of our face. It's you right know. in front of, it's not like something that has to be invented. It's not no. theoretical. No, it's like, you know, again, myth over, use your reason, go scientific. Yeah. Trust the science, uh, which is very hard to do in a world where, imagine tobacco, it was sold to us as tobacco is good for you. You know, right. uh, car seat belts were not necessary. We have automobile safety. You know, all the good things that happen, take, they happen against the, against the d- desire for profit. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> But even this desire for profit, it's like when we're we're talking about like renewables, you're talking about that. It's really interesting that that gets connected to green. Everyone says that's green. This is green power, green energy. But there's very little that's more green than solar. Yeah, that's it's never mentioned. Uh, We went to Davos uh, with a film. And they're taught here they are, Davos, all the world's uh, richest businessmen, business, biggest guys, movers and shakers. Lizard people. They don't even have it on the agenda. They talk about clean, green, this, that. It's maddening. It's maddening. We had to sc- struggle to get a screening of nuclear, and we got one. So in other words, people know about it, but they... they they, it has to become trendy, right? Yeah. Right? I mean, and it's almost really what has to happen. It's almost like that has to become the trend of being one of the people, the, the early adopters, to recognize well, that nuclear is the way out of this. It's a sad thing because the truth is they, they, it worked for 70 years and it still worked. And yeah. the old ones work. But, okay, we want new stuff. That's the American way. We always have to have a new thing. Because we get bored with the old thing. Oh, nuclear! I heard about that. That that that's dangerous. Right? That's right. that's the way the reaction. So, so now they're building in the in the U.S. There are fifty new company, fifty companies working on, fifty companies working privately toward with some Department of Energy help towards making SMRs, small modular reactors, that are sleek, great looking, and they all have different. Uh, different uh, methods of working, including natrium, including Bill Gates is there with a, with a new company. And uh, Does this lead to nuclear power cars? Because if so, I'm yeah, in. Yeah, sure. Well, no, that's another I thing. I want one of those. No, cars, transportation, that, has, that can be dealt with. That's another. See, it's not just electricity that has to be improved. A lot, we, have to, we have to nuclearize electricity which is about a third of the problem. But we still have the problems after that of 
internal Transpor- combustion transportation, engines. Transportation, yeah. uh, and aside from that, heating buildings, heating offices. Cooking. Heating in general. Yeah. Uh, for apartments, uh, for offices, and then there's the industry aspect of it, uh, uh, concrete, steel. Uh, these are huge, highly intensive uh, CO2. Yeah. And, you know, they, they consume a lot of carbon to make these things. And don't forget agriculture. <laughs> Jesus, I yeah. mean, it sounds horrible, but right. ammonia is one of the worst uh, byproducts of the of, uh, ammonia is in the air. And you remember the Oklahoma bombing, yeah. But ammonia is 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 terrible. And what we have to do is get electrify everything essentially. So the demand for electricity, given the whole world's coming into, look at all the people in Africa, Asia, who are coming to want what we have. They see television. They see what Americans have. Have you gotten into regenerative farming at all and looked into that? Not really. No. It's, it's something to consider because when you're, you were talking about ammonium, when you're talking about just the the, the the different fertilizers and pesticides and herbicides that get put into the ground, you know, I don't know if it's scalable for uh, the entire country. That's the real problem with it. But there's people like Joel Salatin and um, uh, White Oak Pastures that's down in uh, Georgia, and they figured out a way to have farms where it's regenerative, where the animals are eating the grass, they're fertilizing the grass, the fertilizer, you, they use the fertilizer for, you know, to, to grow food, and they bring in these animals to these ecosystems, and they have them exist in a way that it just basically contained nature. It's just the way the natural cycle is, and they have a, a zero carbon footprint. It's essentially, it, 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 everything sort of works in balance, and that's how it's supposed to happen. Yeah. And if you look at, especially from White Oak Pastures, he had a video of the runoff from a rainstorm onto, from his property into the river, which is nothing to the next door neighbor's property who runs an industrialized farm. And it's a fucking disaster. It's horrific to look at. Because you just see the topsoil's gone. Look at the, look at the difference. There's a clear line between his property on the left and the neighbor's property on the right. I mean, how insane is it that this is normal for us? This is the problem. The problem is they've gone into these monocrop agriculture situations where they plot, they use the same land over and over again and they have to apply fertilizer and they have to apply herbicides and pesticides and makes it, make it toxic for everything. But whatever the fuck it is they're growing, a lot of the stuff they're growing is genetically modified in order to be more tolerant of these pesticides and herb- herbicides. And that's not good. No. This is, this is a major source of the, the problem. Yeah, fertilizer. But I can't comment on that. Yeah, it's I'm really not, interesting it's stuff. My, it's it's obviously not my wheelhouse either. But these uh, people that I've had uh, to talk about it. But the point is that we're going to need, they, some people say, three, four, five times amount of electricity that we have now by 2050, which is the... We used 2050 as a yes. goal mark because that's the IPP, IPCC standard. They said that by 2050, all the countries of the world have to bring down the carbon emissions to zero. <laughs> to zero. Now, yeah. that's, how is that that's going to be? It doesn't work. I mean, the, the green renewables are great. There's great idea. It made great sense when you saw Al Gore's film. But the truth is that CO2 keeps going up, not down. It's gone up since then, and we've spent trillions of dollars since the 2000 period 
This is 20-some years now, and it just hasn't worked, and nobody admits it. That's what's crazy. So the only way to get the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere is do it. Do it clean. Do it right now. You've got to get rid of gas, and you've got to get rid of oil, basically. And you've got to be severe about it. That means you have to have an alternative, a clean, cheap, scalable alternative. And this, it's, uh, nuclear is the only one that's proven itself, proven itself for so many years. And yet nobody, <laughs> it doesn't even get talked about. I mean, journalists will say, and there's nuclear, which is dangerous. But it's not dangerous if you do it right, if you build it right and you keep it right. It's been done time and time again. It's just that one, you know, I wish there had been more accidents. It would have really taught the lesson. Every industry has had needed accidents. I mean, when they started the railroad, when they, they thought that your brain would get pushed back in your head right. because of the speed of the uh, of going forward. Same thing was true with airplanes. You need you had more crashes before the airplane has been, you know, modified into this incredibly powerful machine. We're not going to get rid of the airplane. We're going to have to we have to use fuel. We have to use aviation fuel, and that will come from the marriage of hydrogen. And carbon, actually, and it will need a lot of heat, and and uh, that heat is going to come from nuclear. It's not going to come from anything else. That amount of heat. It's a, we also have to take into consideration that if the population continues to grow and we're doing things the same way, whatever our output is now that's damaging, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. There's going to be more people. The United States is in good shape compared to the rest of the world, but look at India. Yeah. Look at look at Africa. Which is, I mean, people will burn wood if they have to, or much less coal. I mean, they, they, they're not going to stop people from getting things, and they're going to want energy. That is going to be the prime. India is crucial. We, 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 we bring it up in the film. They have some, they are doing some great nuclear work. They have 20-some reactors in India, but they are definitely on the path of coal, like China. They, they, they're going to get, and their demand is enormous for coal. So what happens? It's, it was no, there's no luck. We can't get out of that mess. We, we're going to have so much, so much pollution, so much get, uh, warming that uh, the only way we can do it is by building nuclear now and taking everything else we can throw in there, including renewables, yeah. alongside it. Well, it's, I think it has to become something that people are aware of and becomes trendy. And that's one of the great yeah, things yeah. in the film. Um, the, uh, the, this Brazilian woman that lives in Austin. Oh, she? yeah. Uh, yeah, she lives in Austin. Yeah. Her name is Isabel Bomke. And she, she makes TikTok films. Yeah. And these little TikTok videos, the, the great thing about those is they become viral. And maybe that is how the message gets out. Yeah. I, I think that's part of it. I think it needs to be addressed by leaders. Uh, the leadership of, let's say, Pr President Xi of China has committed to the UN that he, by 2060, they will have zero carbon emissions. Well, that's, I think that's you're going to... That's a vow. It's going to take someone who's got some courage. Yeah. Because it, politically, it's, a, it's an issue because people do have this false narrative in their head. Yeah. So it's going to take someone who's willing to step outside of what the polling would show. Because I, I would imagine that no, the polls mo most people, if you, if you just started talking about we, we have to switch the entire country over to nuclear power, yeah. if you're running for president, people go, whoa, 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 whoa. So many people just have the knee-jerk reaction right. that, that is brought about because of these films, because of you know the, the anti-nuclear power movement. 
there's a, there's still that propaganda sure. exists in people's heads or the, well, the false narrative rather. necessity is the mother of invention as things get worse it will be clear that we need nuclear more and more and more and we'll, we'll come late to the game and we'll say well we got to build more and more and more nuclear because we're not it's not working with with wind and solar. Right, but I don't think you're going to see that from a politician. I don't, th- I don't think a politician is going to stick their neck out. Except I think necessity. it's going to have to be it's going to have to be so prevalent in the public narrative. It's going to be have to be so prevalent in the zeitgeist that well, they think politically it's okay to, to to be a proponent of it. Well, I think the younger generation is changing the the numbers and the demographics of the I think 60% I I'm, I'm reading are pro nuclear now. That's great. In the US. It's now, probably TikTok. <laughs> well, maybe. It but, might be. But, you know, it's a new generation. They're more scared about climate change than they are about war. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the older generation, they, they confuse, who confuse nuclear energy with nuclear bomb, are, are dying off. And I think there is going to be a change. It has to be. There's no other way. It there has to be. be. It's but just. On top of it, it's a miracle. It's an it's a incredible if it's handled correctly, built correctly, like Hyman Rickover did with the Navy, that's the Navy was one of the biggest developers of nuclear in, in America. Yeah. From the 1950s, uh, they built nuclear submarines and they kept going. They, they're still Just going. talk about the power in a nuclear submarine, how long it lasts, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one, one small uh, reactor can run a submarine for how many, 50, 60 years. That's insane. And also, if you put two of them into an aircraft carrier, you've seen the size of those. Yeah. That's just a a giant 6,000 people on that thing. That can go for, also, though two reactors can make, that's what they're doing, actually. Two reactors can make an aircraft carrier go for, uh, I don't know, how many years, 50 years, 40 years. That's insane. It's incredible. I mean, it really is. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. No. The, the, the fact that that is not, that's not something that people marvel at. No. That you have a ship at sea that's powered no. entirely by nuclear power and it can go for 50 years or that's whatever it is. We, we try to show that in the film. I mean, it's just a miracle. It's insane. Uh, it's so much different than anything else. And if you just do it right, like they do with the submarines or like they do yeah. with... You need discipline, and you need to do it, and you need to redo it, and do it, and do it. So you standardize it. The United States never standardized it. Japan did, Korea did. They built one type of reactor, and they built it consistently. Just recently, uh, Korea built four, four heavy water reactors, big ones in uh, UAR, the uh, United Arab Republic. Four of them, uh, 1.4 gigawatts each. A gigawatt's a billion watts, and so it's 5. 5.6 gigawatts that's that's a huge amount yeah. for the united arab republic they'll cover a huge area that's incredible and that's the kind of building you need to do but you have to do it consistently didn't the phrase the, go ahead please and no. by the way you can you can ship it too you know if you do, if you assembly line it like in korean shipyards or something you can build it in a way that you with smrs and parts you can put the parts in and ship them like like a lego set Mm. Down, up and down the, the coastline of uh, China or the coastline of uh, America, any any country. That Russians did that in Pevek, which is an Arctic outpost. They built, they sent a barge. The Greenpeace, of course, predicted it would be a nuclear Titanic, and it wasn't. It arrived in Pevek, and it's set up, and it's working beautifully to this day. 
So uh, SMRs are, are, are shippable, and they can be built in shipyards. They can be assembled by the thousands. There's no reason not to. Now, what about if one of those things sinks? Yeah, well, water water absorbs it, absorbs radiation. Well, so, like, what happens when there have been nuclear submarines that have sunk, right? Not Well, if they did, there's been no damage that I know of. Isn't the phrase, can neither confirm nor deny, doesn't that come from, <laughs> a, I think that comes from an operation, I believe I heard this on Radiolab, I think that phrase comes from an operation where they were trying to recover a Russian downed submarine. Right, I remember that, yeah. And they had to answer the question. And so when they were questioned, their answer was, we can neither confirm nor deny. Right. Because they were put in a position where they were supposed to interact. So how do we say this? We can't lie. We can't say, no, we're not going to tell you because we have to answer. So the answer they came up with is, we can neither confirm nor deny. Which is a beautiful, it's very eloquent. If you really think about it, if you want to be a bullshit artist, like that's yeah. an amazingly eloquent statement. That was the one that Howard Hughes was involved in, uh, Global, Globar. Is that it what was, it was? Yeah, Howard Hughes. Yeah, that sounds about, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, never heard more about it. You know, whatever happened, happened. It was, you know, the, wor the world's not going to... The world didn't no, end. There, that's the thing about nuclear. Right. People say, well, when it, something goes wrong, it really goes wrong. But that's... There's an, no evidence for that's that. That's an though. exaggeration, too. In, but in comparison to the things that we absolutely know go wrong with just transportation, just yeah. driving, like the deaths are inevitable when you have hundreds of millions of people. Obviously, you want to mitigate them as much as possible you want to mitigate dangers as much as possible but we're we're just victim of like bad narrative industrial accidents you know how many people die a year two million it's incredible so 50 people died at Chernobyl and here we are running away from nuclear yeah it's kind of crazy but that's humans we're so weird like that Germany is the craziest of all I mean yeah they, they are smart people I thought they were mathematical geniuses and well explain what you're talking about because a lot of people probably don't even know that they, well, they shut origi down they originally built 20 some uh, reactors in the 70s and they they were doing very fine with it and they no problems and now they've shut them all down because the Green Party which is a political party green party which is also pro-war pro-nato you know it's very yeah. strange green party it's a hybrid anyway they came into power and they're it's a democracy and they they don't want any nuclear so they destroyed they shut down uh, all their plants that were working and we show that in the film it's the insane and what did they go with they they, they replaced it with coal and and gas and as a result and a lot of solar and a lot of uh, a lot of turbines. They, in fact, if you think, look at the solar park that they built. They built a gigantic solar park in Germany, four hundred ninety-five thousand panels. Four hundred ninety. Can you imagine that? Five hundred acres, four hundred ninety-five thousand panels. That's enormous. And that park, if you took, they took down a nuclear reactor uh, in the area. That one was about a hundred acres, but it was producing uh, about. A hundred times more electricity than the than this five hundred acres on one fifth the land. Not only that, at what point in time does that become pollution? Like well, if you were talking there about is a pollution factor. Yeah. I mean, just whatever the panels are, like whatever that area yeah. is, like what have you done to that area? Exactly. I know we don't think about we just think about it as land, exactly. but that's part of Earth. So you've covered part of Earth with this with these 
fucking panels. Yeah. It's it's looks gross. The turbines look gross too. I, I, <laughs> I went down to um I was going down to South Texas and I, I drove past this uh turbine farm. Right. And I'm like, how is that not bothering people? That's a, it's like eye pollution. You're looking at these things that are spin these giant machines that are spinning instead of just the landscape. It looks like we're tricking ourselves into thinking that this is like a hundred percent clean. It's not clean if all you're looking at is turbines. If you're driving on the highway and you see hundreds of turbines with lights on them so planes don't fly into them, that's not clean. Like that's a part of the problem. Like that's polluting the environment. Well, each country it looks like shit. Yeah, I understand. Each country is different. So it depends what they want to do with their land. I mean, Denmark has had some success with it. Germany's had greater success with wind than they have with solar. That's for sure. But they're not dealing with it because we're still putting out. Yeah, uh, we're putting out shit in the air. It's also yeah. I mean, it's certainly better than burning coal. It's certainly better than many alternatives, but it's still it's not well, perfect. We, well, we should talk about methane because that is not better. It's more damaging in the in the in the short term. Methane is methane is horrible, and it leaks all along the line, as we say in the film. That's gas, natural gas, natural yeah. gas, and that we talk about it like it's some kind of savior. It's a perfect partner for renewables. That's what they sell themselves as, and they advertise it. When they show the the footage of how much gas gets oh, released from yeah. those pipes, it's crazy. I showed it in the film. We showed yes. the infrared uh, camera, yeah, and how much gas is leaked. This is you turn your gas stove on, and that's a leak, yeah, right there, and that goes a long way towards destroying the the atmosphere a lot of people are upset that they're trying to ban uh gas stoves in, fu in future buildings in new york city that, that's a big thing but you know i was i was like okay is are, are people overreacting who's overreacting and then you think about it like is it's just for the convenience of cooking that you enjoy cooking more with that is it a price thing because nuclear would solve the issue of the availability of power yeah but would it you know, I think people just like to cook with gas, which is really weird. Like, if the, if it's really bad for you and really bad for the city and for the environment, that just the fact that you don't like cooking with electric. Well, I can't comment on that. I just know that methane has a short-term huge effect on the atmosphere, long-term less. But they did recently ban it in New York City, correct? Did, I don't didn't know, they, Jamie. I think they banned it in for uh, new home construction. Yeah, I think that's right. And everybody went crazy. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't know about this. Maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> you know? like First statewide ban on use of natural gas in new buildings, yeah. Yeah, because if that stuff really does lower IQs, isn't that uh, one of the things that <laughs> they've discussed? Well, like, I don't know why. See if but they could I, find I've that. heard that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, see if you could find... Cause I remember there was something about it having an effect on cognitive function. Yeah. Which, is, you know, we found out, we just talked about this the other day, but we found out uh, from leaded gas that there's a, a giant dip in IQ points. Not a giant one, but a, like a measurable dip in IQ points mm -hmm. amongst people that grew up uh, in my generation with leaded <laughs> gas everywhere. Yeah, well, I... Yeah, I wonder about my own brain. I guess, you know, we've been around long enough. Well, we're getting old, Oliver, yeah. and that's uh, part of the problem. Sometimes you forget <laughs> that. Sometimes you forget Childhood things. asthma. Childhood asthma. That's it? 
That's didn't say anything about cognitive function. Mm -hmm. I even typed an IQ here, and it didn't. Interesting. It didn't bring up anything. Maybe I'm going for So much up. heat comes off nuclear that it really is not being used. As, right. As the, as the scientist says in the film, it could heat New York City. Yeah, so if it's caught, even if it's causing kids asthma, like, it's not good for anybody then. Like, if that's really what's going on with gas. Uh, but the the amount of time that it would take to get the United States, like what what would that take to get rid of all of the things that are polluting the environment, all of the things that are putting out particulates, the coal and all that stuff, well, we replace it, it with nuclear? We give it that. We showed that graph from here to 2050, thinking backwards and trying. You have to get this thing going. You have to get the the nuclear part going. And it's going to go slower at the beginning because they take longer to build. But once they're once they're up, the maintenance is very very easy to do on these things. So, yeah. in 2030 to 2040, if you're built, this stuff is going to start to pay off. From 2040 to 2050, it's going to be a huge run, a huge race, and we can do it. We may not get all the way to zero, but it's it's certainly doable. If Rickover were in charge of a program, he could he would push it through. And but it's not just us. I mean, honestly, the Chinese are doing their part. They're trying. They're really yeah. trying because they see the problem. And, you know, for a president to say that, Z, when he said he's going to go down to zero uh, by 2060, that's 10 years later, that's pretty good. That's amazing if they can stick to it. Mm. But Russia, too, plays a huge role. So does India, by the way. Well, they obviously have much more control over how things run. They they don't really rely on the public's opinion or no, people exactly, voting. Exactly. Which is but that's okay because we have to we're talking yeah. about the earth here. But yes. you know, let's talk about France. You know, France has been nuclear since 1975. They they built 56 reactors in 15 years. That's pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And they were all they're all working. They some of them are getting very old now and they have to be have to be either renewed or replaced, but uh, they still have those nuclear. They have a lot of their electricity in France. Seventy percent is nuclear. Mm. They have some uh, hydropower, and uh, I think some gas, but not much. Well, I, I genuinely think that it takes someone like you making a documentary <laughs> about this to get the word out there to the point where people really start demanding this. I really do, because well, I think you're, you're countering all those movies that you discuss, yeah, all the fictional movies. You're countering all those. You're countering all of our, the stuff that we had growing up, Godzilla and Spider-Man and all that. It's, that's what it is. It's like we, we, we associate radiation with negativity. Yeah. And nuclear power with radiation. We show images of in Brazil of going to Brazilians going to black sand beaches to mm -hmm. absorb the radiation that is good for the body. Yeah. We show you know in cancer therapies, uh, it's used uh, radiation. Heavy radiation is used to kill off tumors in the uh, in the body. Uh, <clears throat> we show uh, in Iran, Ramsar, Iran, which has got huge radioact radioactive uh, activity. It's very high, and it's got it's tremendously. Uh, no one's uh, they're doing very well in Iran with that Ramsar. No one's dying. Yeah. So in other words, we can live with radiation much longer than we know because DNA, as Crick and Watson found, that reduplicates. It has a double. So we we ten, we the body repairs itself as it's damaged. And that was a big argument in the, in the old science because the Rockefeller Foundation, of course, put out the scare, and their oil people, they put out the, the scare to the public in 1957. 
where they said, you know, any amount of radiation to the body is dangerous. Mm. And that really worked. It, it put in New York Times put, publisher, put it in the, in the front, front page uh, column, and then that, it gets out, you know, that fear. So that's where, it, meanwhile, the, the counter comes later, but you don't hear about it. And the counterclaim is we, we repair our body as we, get, as, we get, as we move through life. That's what DNA does. It's a, one, it's a wonderful system we have of, of DNA. Well, we just have scary stories about radiation. And, yeah. you know, rightly so in some cases, like the radium girls, those, uh, those do you know about no, this? I don't know. They're, they, they used to use radioactive uh, paint for uh, like indices on on watches and things along those lines, you know, loom. Do you know loom? You know what that is? Like on watch face, there, there's these little dots, right? right? Well, these little dots collect light when it's light out, and then when it's dark, they glow. Well, people used to apply those things with paint. They didn't realize the consequences of the radioactivity. Mm. So these girls would sometimes like lick the tip of their brush to wet it, to shape it, and they develop horrible cancers. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's, it's a very famous story, but these poor women, like they, they develop these holes in their faces. It's, it's really, mm -hmm. really scary stuff, but well, it's from very specific type of radiation. And it's also from direct contact through, it, through, the, through this paint with no protection at all. Uh -huh. Well, I can't comment on what I don't know, but certainly... Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, but th so there are some consequences that are negative that are associated with radiation rightly. Yes. And, and this is one high, of them. High levels of radiation will hurt and yeah. kill. And exposure and, uh, to radiation. I mean, no. there's a reason why they make you put a lead thing over your junk when you yeah. get into an x-ray machine. That's correct. And yeah. I went to a lot of that when I was uh, visiting the plants in France, Russia, and here at Idaho uh, National Laboratory. Uh, we talk to a lot of scientists. The people who handle it, those people who know, know. They don't. They don't. Uh, they don't freak out about it. Was this something? This this subject that you, when you when you decided to make a documentary about this, was it simply just because you had the information and you felt compelled that this is just not a story that's being told correctly? No, oh, I, 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 I read a book. I read a review, a book review, in the, in the New York Times of all things, in about. Uh, Joshua Goldstein's book with Stephen Kvist, the Swedish nuclear scientist, and it was called Bright Future. I bought the book, read it. It's very practical. It's simple, and it goes into the truth, which is this is all. There's been a lot of lies, and I bought the book and made the movie with him. He gave me a lot of. I, I had to learn a lot. I had to travel, and it was difficult. It was not an easy film to make. Uh, I wanted to make it understandable to a ninth grade level, you know. Yeah. Trying to make it simple, I, I, I think it works at that level. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's um, it's just very important to do, and I'm really glad you did it because it's. I've talked to so many intelligent people that share your perspective on this, Good. but it's just not being discussed publicly enough. Well, that it might have been our solution the whole time. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah, uh, I shouldn't have said might have. Eisenhower was on the right path. Yeah. And John Kennedy supported it completely. Yeah. And remember, we, we, use, mm -hmm. we quote him in the, in the film. Uh, it, it, got, it got derailed, uh, obviously, in the uh, 70s with uh, Ralph Nader, who was very influential. And uh, he's, a, he's done great work, Nader, but, of course, on car safety. 
but you know he was wrong about exa- he exaggerated this to a degree that was not necessary. Do you think people exaggerated it because they had their own heightened anxiety about it? Yeah. And yeah. So it's not like they did it on purpose. They did it because they were genuinely misinformed. That's correct. Yeah. I do believe that. Uh, Nader is the good man. I yeah, think, I believe so I, I, too. And he still believes in it that he's right, but. It's a question of degree, you know, like not he said all Cleveland's going to blow up from one nuclear reactor. That's not true. You know, if it blew up, it's not going to blow up Cleveland. Right. And it's not a bomb. And uh, unfortunately, that was original confusion. It's never been clear. But there wasn't also no one to counter him. Like who would counter him back then? William Buckley, scientists did, but someone publicly. That one I can't answer you because uh, I don't remember. Well, frankly, do you remember the guy who started Greenpeace, uh, Moore, Dr. Moore? He was the co-founder of Greenpeace. He came out and said, you know, we were right a lot about a lot of things at Greenpeace. The whale, saving the whale. We were right about toxic waste. We were right about nuclear bombs, but we were wrong about nuclear energy. Mm. We got it wrong. He says that in the film. It's a wonderful statement, but again, people, I guess when you get... You hear the negative first. You yeah. don't. You don't go. You don't listen to the positive. Yeah, that's the problem. We're slaves to our initial impressions. Well, that's the point of maturity. Yes, that's where you have to get smarter. Yes, yeah, it's just very difficult for people to do. It's it's a lesson that doesn't get taught enough that you are not your ideas, and once you start talking about a subject, particularly something that is a world changing subject like nuclear power or renewable energy you uh you have to be it's not you what these arguments are not you you have you have to look at just the data you have to look at the data and just because you had an initial idea about something don't don't exactly look at it correctly exactly because it is people associate themselves with ideas and if they've espoused an idea they somehow or another think they have to defend it to the end and it's a terrible trap to get into and i've seen brilliant people get into that trap it's a terrible trap you're not your ideas they're just ideas well said said. and you're certainly not something that is a very nuanced and complicated issue like nuclear power you could be a person who was anti-nuclear power a few decades ago or even a few yes. few months ago and get new information go oh okay this is what i thought and this yeah. is where i was wrong yeah. and that's better for everybody and if people yeah. learn how to do that we could move past a lot of silly shit in this country yeah i wish uh, jane fonda would come out the other way <laughs> what I, is she uh what is she on now i admire her uh for her vietnam stand oh you know, yeah but, uh, she uh she could she could mean a lot if she understood this and came out against but uh so was you know there's a lot of the people know this matt tybee uh, mm-hmm. russell brown brand yeah they, they, they understand uh they've done they've done the reading they're smart people uh, we got to get it out, and it's going to happen. I do. They're smart I believe, people, and they're courageous enough to just start talking. As I about say it. in the film, you know, with Josh, I said, nuclear has been around; it's been discredited constantly, but it won't die. It's like something that just sticks around yeah. because it's good. Mm-hmm. It's the truth, and that I think is going to be inevitable because we're, there's no other alternative. I mean, we can talk about carbon capture. We can talk about all the things that they're doing. Fusion is a great solution. I love fusion. I was just up at MIT with Dr. Uh, 
uh, Dennis White. He's the head of the program there. He's fusion plasma. It's beautiful, amazing amount of work. And maybe it'll work in the second part of the century. But right now we have to, from 2020 to 2050, we've got to deal with this hump. And there's no and fusion is not there yet. It hasn't delivered. Fission has. There's also some research that's being done on utilizing the spent fuel cells and utilizing the waste yes. and converting it into batteries. Correct? Isn't that I, it? I didn't know about batteries, but I know in See Russia, in Russia, they had the breeder reactor that I saw mm-hmm. at uh, Belyarsk, which I went. Out, we went out to uh, the. Uh, uh, in the middle of Russia, I forgot exactly where it is, and it's a beautifully. It was designed. It's a six hundred. It was designed many years ago, and it does breed more than it. It, it go. It eats up its own fuel, and it reuses the fuel over and over again. That's why they call it a breeder reactor because it breeds more. Yeah, and they using it. It's expensive. That's that's the problem. Can they standardize it? That's the other problem. You know, these you have to make it cheap too. But the Russians have done it, and now they're building an 800, which is a, a bigger one. So, you know, I have hopes for that. But on, on the U.S. side, we have all these smaller uh, – we have GE working with Hitachi, which is a Japanese company. They're, they're building an SMR, a small modular reactor, with, you know, some capacity. It, it could make uh, – A radioactive – our radioactive diamond bat – whoops. Hold on a second. Oh. Pop up bad goddess. <clears throat> we we had on batteries. Uh, uh, unveils battery made from nuclear waste that could last up to twenty eight thousand years. Yeah, the so. nano diamond battery's power comes from radioactive isotopes used in nuclear reactors. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. So as technology advances, and obviously technology would, you know, whatever we're, they're able to do now, or even have they they actually done this or is this just theoretical well, this article is 2020 Oops. it unveil it unveiled a battery that uses nuclear waste i don't know this uh, is they're saying that they actually have a, a functional product whoa that's what i was trying to, the article i had that we got the pop-up was a nuclear oh uh, i thought dot, right dot com article i thought it was uh theoretical I don't know. They're already making batteries out of it. But if they can do that, I mean, bingo. Now we have a problem with electric cars, right? That was the problem. Electric cars, the batteries. That's the giant issue is you're getting lithium out of the ground. And most of it is uh, sourced through unethical ways. You're getting cobalt. Most of that's sourced through unethical ways. You're, but if they can make batteries out of fucking diamonds and to make, I mean, how crazy is that? We're all running around on cars. Built you know, on nuclear we still, waste. But you still have the problem of it has to be continent size. It has to be a country size dimension, scalability. You know, if you, you can make an iPhone, you can make a car work mm-hmm. for on an individual basis and here and there. But how do you make it so it works on a continent size? You know, we're talking about it. Look at the world map. Well, I think we have to look in terms of a long period of time. If you go back to just the invention of electricity to the time where everybody's carrying around a battery-powered cell phone in your pocket, you're not talking about that long. You're only talking about a couple of hundred years. We're looking at it like, oh my God, we've got to get it done tomorrow. I don't think you do get this thing done tomorrow. I think, but I think a big step is what you're describing in your documentary. That's a big step. A big step is like understanding that nuclear power is a fantastic way forward. And well, if they really can make batteries out of nuclear waste, well, now we have a, 
instead of a problem, now we've got a commodity. Mm-hmm. Now you've got something they can utilize. Although, I remember what Bill Gates says Uh-oh, on the film. Hold on a second. My, yeah, I, I Googled it again. It said, like, the 2017, they were saying this was still a hoax, but... They always say that. I mean, let's, we have to mixture, keep yeah. optimistic. So are nuclear this. diamond batteries too good to be true? You're probably wondering what the catch is. There's a diamond battery out there that really uses nuclear waste. Lasts thousands of years and involves layers of only the most minuscule diamonds. It's slightly more complicated than that. Each battery cell will produce only a small amount of energy for one thing. So scientists must combine the cells in huge numbers in order to regularly power large devices, raising the cost a great deal, along with increasing the complexity. So I guess the battery would have to be big. Uh, touts the tiny share of the nano battery diamond cells as an advantage for scalability, though. Take the battery for a wristwatch, for instance. It consumes around 2 microwatts. A uh, much smaller NDB cell would be sufficient. Okay. So that's smaller than the battery that's on your watch? That's pretty small. So if we need power a different application, the number of stacked cells can be increased to meet the demand. That sounds like every battery. Listen, Bill Gates in the film says, you know, he's put a billion dollars into the battery business. He's really done mm. a lot of exploration. And as well, he's doing great work on nuclear. But... He says there's no battery that's going to—it would take a miracle. It's just not going to happen. He says we're going to need nuclear. Even he Mm. said that. And he's not proud of that, but I don't know why he's running away from it. I think we should be very proud of using nuclear because it was a tremendous discovery by Marie Curie. I think a lot of people are skittish about the conversation. They just don't want to have the conversation. I've I've noticed that, yeah. Yeah. Why doesn't Al Gore come uh, in the film, The Inconvenient Truth, even mention nuclear energy? Yeah. It's true. Good point. You know, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. I, can we take a break? Yep. Uh, I can tell. You're ready to go. You got to pee. Yeah, I just... I just <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. No yeah. worries. I'm also, we'll be right back. So tritium is the stuff that they make. Um, that that also lights up uh, the, the watch hands. They uh-huh. put that stuff inside watches. Yeah, exit, and it lasts for like exit, 25 exit years. Signs. Yeah, I have one of those. I have a, a marathon watch, and it's uh, it, like, even if it's like pitch blackout... All of the uh, hour indicators are all lit up permanently. It's really cool. Yeah, and that's radioactive too, and it's totally safe. That's what it looks like. That's what that's what the Fukushima. That's what tritium looks like. Have you ever seen it on a watch hand? It's really beautiful. Like, look at click on that image again, Jamie. That's what it looks like. Yeah. So it like lights up permanently. Like you have little, you have radiation on your wrist. Well, that's been the big issue in, in the Fukushima cleanup because they said that water is filled with tritium. Mm-hmm. And uh, Josh, uh, who I, uh, my co-author, was uh, saying, you know, I could drink a gallon of tritium and it would be about the equivalent to one banana. So it's a lot of bullshit. Really? Yeah. You could drink a gallon of tritium? Yeah. yeah. And it's about the, what, what negative aspect of a it's banana? Just, he says the electrons in it oh, are, wow. are, just don't penetrate. They, they don't I, you know, it's a sign. I'm not a scientist. No, I understand. But I'm uh, not either. So I buy it. But I love the fact that my watch has these little uh, they're, they're indicators stopped, that are they, nuclear. They, everyone's screaming. You know, you can't dump it in the Pacific. That's what the environmentalists say. They're wrong. You got the the water is is safe because, by the way, the sea absorbs a lot of radiation. Mm. Yeah, there's a company called Ball, and all of their watches use yeah. tritium. So, and they've been doing it forever. Like, they've been making these watches for a long time, and mm-hmm. they're famous for uh, the fact that all their indicators are 
little radioactive things. I'm terrible for the watch market. I never had a watch uh, for years. You never had a watch? No, I don't like to keep track of the time. I'm very, uh, <laughs> I, I, I know the time in my head. You yes. know, I kind of have a sense of it. Good for you. Yeah, you don't want to be a slave to this thing. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want something on my wrist telling me what to do. Do you still rock a smartphone, though? Oh, I use a smartphone as little as possible because it's essential now. They've made it essential. Right. You That's know? basically a clock anyway. You're getting your time from your watch. Yeah, it's a clock. I can set an alarm to it, but I wake up on my basically earlier. Uh, so I, the, phone, the phone is, I just, the only thing I don't like about the phone is I'm always worried about losing it. I yeah. lose a lot of time uh, looking for phone. <laughs> you know, why don't they yeah. make a double of this, a DNA copy? <laughs> Yeah, you can't have two because then someone else would copy your phone. Is that right? Yeah, and they would it's start all, using your phone. And, it's about copying. Huh? Yeah, it's about getting access to your, you know, whatever you have, credit cards that are on it and all the, the data that they can sell. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're selling data no matter what anyway. It's the weirdest commodity that's ever existed, a thing that people didn't even know was worth anything. Are you worried about losing your phone? I mean, people know sure. you. Yeah, I worry about losing my phone. Yeah, I try not to. <laughs> well, you probably have an automatic shutoff on your account, right? So, so you, no one's going to rip you off for American Express or right, credit card. We yeah, all... but it's still, it's very inconvenient, obviously. It sucks. It's inconvenient. I use my phone to get in my car, too. It's, it's my, inconvenient, my... but it's not dangerous. <laughs> right, it's not dangerous. My phone uh, operates my Tesla. I don't even have to have my key. just have to have my phone. Your phone operates your Tesla. Great. Yeah. How do you do that? Before you just It knows that it's me. So the app knows that it's me. So as if it's in my phone, and if the, rather the phone is in my pocket, and I walk towards the Tesla, the door's open. And it lets me in. It like knows it's me. Like I don't even have to have a key on me. It's like, hey, dude. I go, I don't have my key. Don't worry about it. We know it's you. But also, someone could take your phone, and without even unlocking it, they could just start driving your Tesla. That's true, too. Because, you know, when you walk towards the car, it just goes off, even if your phone's not even unlocked. And that's not good. Because then if somebody gets your phone, then they get your car. What made you so smart, Joe? I'm not that smart. Come on. Give me a break. Where did you go to school? I'm curious. Oh, uh, dude, I barely made it through high school. And then I went to UMass Boston. I was in Newton. Newton South High School. In Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah. Suburb outside of Boston. Yeah. I think the thing that's helped me more than anything is being on this show. And having conversations with people. Yeah. It's like well, you think of education as being something. I mean, obviously, when you sit in a classroom, you're absorbing a lot. You're getting a lot of education. It's a, and, and the kids today that are going through the workload that they have to go through to, to put in to get a bachelor's degree or and then yeah. a master's or a PhD, it's, it's an insane amount of work. Right. You're, you, but you're absorbing information. That's the key. The key is that you're learning about all these different subjects and absorbing all that information. And yeah. you prove it with that's, your degree. That's the beauty of also making films because you, yeah. you get that opportunity to spend time to luxuriate in this. Now, you get this, to talk to people too. You mean you get to talk to like, yeah. Uh, this and that. I was yeah. so grateful for this. You know, I've done 20 fiction films, feature films, and 10 documentaries. And you want to get out in the field. You want to talk to real people who are doing things. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's so important 
especially to do the work that you're, you're doing. How else could you relate? How else can you, can you, you have to get out there. Well, find the quick thing that's bothering you. You know, yeah. what, what really is bothering you? And in this matter, it was, of course, what do they mean? This is confusing climate bullshit. They go forth, back and forth. Even if you don't believe in climate change, what I found out is that I would still go nuclear because it is the cleanest yeah. of all, no battery, no storage. Absolutely. I think there's two schools of thought when it comes to climate change. There's the school of thought that it's not an issue, it's a natural cycle, and there's a school of thought that human beings are pushing the world to the brink of demise. Right. Um, I, I think human beings are doing a lot. Whenever people try to come up with excuses for things, I was like, whew. Like, well, it's always been this way, but how much impact are we having? Instead of looking at it like the, the climate's always going to change, which it always does. That's the thing about the climate. If you look at the climate models of when they do ice core samples, when they try to figure out like how warm it used to be and what the atmosphere was like, it's always changed. I mean, it's changed radically. But how much are we fucking it up? But forget about if if it if it's never static. It's never like the climate is like this, right? If human beings never existed, internal combustion en engines never existed. You still have volcanoes. You got chaos. You got asteroids. You got all kinds of shit. There's no stable. There's no flat, safe. We get to this. We're on our life vest. We're on a life raft. We're gonna make it out. No, 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 no. no, no. Even if I lived in no, Iowa, no, 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 no. that's in all a, nonsense. In a nice small town. Yeah. In a country town. That's, that's what we want, right? We want this idea. But the, the reality is, the reality is ice ages. The reality is new super volcanoes. The reality is asteroid impacts. That's the reality. The, those are the horrific things that radically change the temperature oh, of Earth about, and the what, environment and, and all kinds of things. What about that lady in somewhere in Missouri? Who, the, the tornado came out of nowhere and just blew the house away. Yeah, Jesus <laughs> Christ. That's crazy, too. Th those are things that tornado, are... Tornado, I mean... Yeah, those, those are things that are absolutely real those, and terrifying. I saw those in the Midwest when I was shooting, you know, they, <gasps> especially in Louisiana and Texas Panhandle, that area. Yeah. They have a lot of uh, whirlwinds, a lot of wind, sh uh, wind shifts. Oh, it's incredible. There's a, an amazing video of this guy driving at night, yeah. and the tornado is in the distance, and you only see it when the lightning strikes. Oh, God. And it's huge. I mean, it's, it's like city blocks, and it's in the sky. This is just a massive funnel, and these people are in a car, Jesus. and they're just driving down the road watching this. It's fucking wild. Do you find it? The, Watch this. Look at this. Look at that. Look at the size of that thing. Yeah. I mean, how terrifying is that? It's terrifying. Terrifying. Oh, that's scarier than King Kong, Godzilla, all the above. Real things. Yeah. Real, real things. things. Not nuclear power. The the. the angry sky monster that comes down and destroys cities that, there is nuclear power in that electricity oh yeah you Good know point. this was all came from the beginning the supernova that exploded yeah supernovas exploding all the time where does it all start i mean the beginning of the world we don't really know there's no beginning no we don't really know we, if there ever i think we have these biological limitations that we put on the universe well, where did the first a birth and a death where does this explosion come from right and before that was there another explosion right did what? you there's a great piece there was a great great documentary on hypernovas that i watched once 
And, you know, when they first started uh, discovering hypernovas, they thought that there was aliens having war in the sky. Right. Because there was explosions that were taking place in far distant portions of the universe. And they were like, what is happening? These are happening on a regular basis. And then they realized that these are hypernovas. I never heard of that. Yeah, they're, they, they destroy solar systems. They destroy everything. Like, there's, it's such, it's an immense explosion of power that's beyond our comprehension. And it's happening all the time. Do you believe in extraterrestrial life? Yes. Yeah? 100%. 100%. Yeah, I just don't know if it's here. I don't know if it's visited, but just the, the vastness of the universe itself, and if you believe in the concept of infinity, that means the, the possibilities of this happening exactly the way we are, are also infinite. Yeah. It's not, it's not it's, infinity, it's really hard to put it in your head because it doesn't make sense. But the true infinity, would mean that everything that you've ever done and everything that I've ever done and everything we've ever said and every piece of paper you ever put down, all that has happened an infinite number of times in the universe, in some other place. That's how crazy, and every other variable in between. That's how crazy infinity is. So I think that if we, if we imagine that we're the only ones, that seems silly. Yeah. It just it doesn't even make sense. It's just too, it's kind of like nuclear power. Because you, you talk about nuclear power to people and go, way, nuclear bombs, nuclear bad. Nuclear is dangerous. Nuclear is dangerous. I, I think we think that way about aliens. Because I think there's been so many kooks that have had so many fake stories and so many doctored photos and everything's blurry and just weird people that probably lied. And then compelling stories that are really confusing, like really intelligent people, like Commander David Fravor, who uh, was a fighter jet pilot in 2004 and encountered this thing that they track going from 50,000 feet above sea level to 50 in a second. I think I saw, was there a clip? Of, there's video of this yeah, thing. Yeah, I think I saw Yeah, it. there's a video of this thing. They, they tracked it. They think it was interacting with something that was submerged. They were, they were as they closed. And then this thing, when it jetted off at this insane rate of speed, first of all, it, it blocked their tracking. It, it, it blocked their, um, whatever the radar or whatever, whatever sensors that they were using. And then it shot off at an insane rate of speed and stopped at their cat point, which is the point where they had the predetermined point where they were going to meet up in this exercise that they were doing. And this thing went to that spot and it was 20 feet long and looked like a tic tac. <laughs> and it was just hovering a What's like a tic tac, like a candy, like a little white tic tac candy. Uh -huh. So they call it the tic tac UFO. When I talk to guys <laughs> like that, when I talk to guys like that, I go, well, if it's not. A UFO if that's not from another planet that it's maybe more scary than if the Chinese have something that's that advanced That can move like that. Is this some new type of technology that might be available to the the like, Probably just like the high-end military applications that they're using for drones and all these different propulsion methods if they've figured something that crazy out it's kind of game over. If they can go 50,000 feet above sea level to 50 in a second, yeah. like what is that? Well, if they wanted to use it, they would have done it by now. Perhaps. Or perhaps it's an alien.
well, or yeah, a probe yeah. from some alien planet or t- it's something non-biological. Maybe they've gotten past the, the necess- necessity of biological well, if life. If you're an alien, wouldn't you want to visit this place and 100%. Share, share with the culture? No, definitely not. Why not? The same reason why, did you watch Chimp Empire? Who? Chimp Empire. It's this no. amazing <laughs> documentary series that's on Netflix right now. And it's about these embedded uh, journalists who uh, document chimpanzee life in uh, this part of the very deep in the jungle called a place called Ngogo. <laughs> and it's incredible because the scientists that laid the groundwork for this documentary, they've been studying this particular group of chimpanzees for 30 years. So the chimpanzees be- have become completely fine with them being around. They have like rules of interaction. They, s- they have to stay within, I think, 20 yards of the chimpanzees at all time. And as long as they do that, the chimpanzees behave as if they don't exist. And they... They enact in war, they kill monkeys, they hunt, they, they f- defend their territory, they take over new territory, they do all this stuff in front of people. But they don't interact with the chimpanzees and they don't, interact, they don't interrupt their life. I think that's what the aliens do with us because that's what we do uh-huh. with intelligent primates. Why would you do any different if you were an alien? I think if I was an alien life form, I would make sure that the chimps don't blow themselves up. Like if chimpanzees and Ngogo, if all of a sudden they've developed TNT and they start soldering and they're building bombs and they're planting, I'm like, oh, okay, hold on, fellas, you can't blow yourselves up. You can't, you can't just be blowing the jungle up and starting fires. Let's stop. If I was an alien life form, I would treat human beings the same way that I, as a human being, would treat chimpanzees if they started developing bombs. I feel like we need to get the bombs away from the chimps. Mm-hmm. I would, if, if, if chimpanzees developed, like, missiles, and they started shooting missiles at each other through the jungle, you don't, don't you think we'd be like, hey, 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 cut the shit. You're not even people. Only people are allowed to kill people like that. Mm. I think if alien life forms do exist... I think the, the most likely strategy is the one that we use on higher primates, on, on, on lower primates, rather. We don't interfere. We observe, but the, the true scientists, they just sort of stand back and watch. Mm-hmm. And the chimpanzees don't seem to have any problem with these people being around. That's, occasionally, they get curious. And when they start walking towards the person, the person just keeps backing up. And as long as they stay a certain distance, the chimp loses interest. It's really weird. You just can't eat in front of them, ever. And you, you know, just can't ever, like, raise your voice. You can't behave in a threatening way. Mm. And they just interact with the chimps. And this documentary is coming up. It's out right now. It's out on Netflix. And it's it's, called Chimp it's, it's fantastic. Okay. It's really fantastic. But well, learning too much too my fast. My point is, like, I think that if there are aliens, I think they would do the same. I think they would just watch. Just make sure we don't blow ourselves up. Watch. And maybe, maybe, you know let us know occasionally that we're not alone. <laughs> That's what I would do. I would, I would like, just like the scientists had to slowly habituate themselves to the chimpanzees, they had to slowly do it. They did it over, because at first the chimpanzees ran, and then they had to figure out some sort of uh, a way that they can just be around them enough that the chimpanzees relaxed. And as soon as they realized they were never a threat, and then generations of them realized they were never a threat, then they could do the work that they're doing. Mm. It's pretty wild stuff. I think that would do that if I was an alien. I would just sit around and watch. Well, that's why people have dogs and cats. I love cats. Cats are great. They watch us, you know? Yeah. 
Sure. I think it is an alien form, isn't it? A cat? Oh, yeah. Sure. So are dogs. Wolves. Yeah. Wolves are, I mean, it's a, what a bizarre I mean, alien life all form. all degree. I mean, mm-hmm. a goldfish, for that matter, is an alien form. Oh, my God. Now, some of the most alien looking stuff is in the ocean, for sure. Ugh, yeah. I mean, octopuses are the most bizarre. They're smart, I hear. They're so smart. They're, they figure out jars, they know how to unscrew jars. Jesus. And they also they can camouflage themselves to look exactly like the floor. Have you ever seen octopuses do that? No. Oh, my God. You have to see this. My friend Remy Warren, he used to have a show called Apex Predator, and it was a, what he would do is like study all of the different methods that different apex predators used and, uh, and, and see, like, is there anything you could emulate as a human being? But this shows some footage of octopuses uh, camouflaging themselves to their environment. It's insane. It's alien. And this is what Remy said. He goes, dude, they're aliens. He goes, you've never seen anything like it. I, and he had no idea until he filmed this show, I don't think, of, of how complex their ability to blend in is. But that's octopus. Which one? Right there. That Where? thing you're looking at. They make themselves look like plants. They make themselves look like coral. They make themselves look like rock. Watch when they get over it. Look. Look how he changes color depending on what fish? he's on. Yes. That's an octopus. Look at that. Watch what he does. He blends in with the plant. That's pretty wild. And he blends in with the texture of the soil underneath the plant. Is that because there's a predator around? No, because he's a predator. Oh, I see. So as these these uh, fish swim in looking to eat, this octopus is hiding. Like they have octopuses that that kill sharks. There's a, there's a video of, uh, the, they had this, see, Google octopus kills shark in aquarium. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they camouflage themselves to look like anything. Look at this. Watch how it does this. Wow. See, just get some good footage of what they do when they get over things. But when they get over it, they've done it uh, like cuttlefish, which are also uh, similar. I think they're called cephalopods. They, they do it where they've done them, where they try to emulate a chessboard. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. How bizarre is this? Very. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't want to change be a, their I texture. Just, I don't want to be an innocent fish around here. I mean, what a crazy little thing that's moving around at the bottom of the ocean, changing its texture, changing its colors to look exactly like its environment. Like, look at this thing. It's fucking bonkers. Yeah. That's an alien. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we found that on another planet, yeah. we would be like, what the fuck is that thing? I'm sure the DOD's studying it, trying to make octopus. Uh, Weapons. Yeah, they probably put, probably definitely have studied these things. Figure out how are they doing this. Yeah. Instead, they're sushi. We turn them into sushi. That's <laughs> right. We the, turn uh, them into. We just grill them. That's scary. It's a. That's a an insanely fascinating animal that we just eat. <laughs> you know, it, we just don't. We think of them as being so far removed from us that they're they're okay to eat. Well, if you think about it, no. I mean, I, I, yeah. I stopped eating eels and octopus. I don't know why. I just, and I stopped eating meat about a few years ago. How do you feel? I feel great. Do you eat eggs? Once in a while. Yeah? Yeah. Chicken, I don't eat at all, but eggs is different, I think. They're earlier chickens. Well, they're not even earlier chickens. They, they never become chickens because there's no That's rooster. Right. Oh, they're uh, just non-fertilized eggs. Yeah. They're totally, it's like karma free. Yeah. Like as long as the chicken's living a good life, the only karma that you have is you're keeping the chicken from getting laid. 
That's the only karma. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Well, I don't want to be chickens. I don't want to eat at all. They look. I mean, I saw that Netflix documentary years ago. Game Changer was it called? Mm-hmm. You ever seen that? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's t- turned me off. Turned you off to what? Meat. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's a complex conversation. Yeah. Human beings have been eating meat since the beginning of time. Yeah. And a lot of the problems with these studies that are associated with whether or not meat is bad for you. Yeah. A lot of these things are. What they're doing is basically they're asking you to take a survey. And if you say you ate meat four times a week or five times a week and then they make some sort of a correlation, they say, well, the people that ate meat more consistently had more cancer, more this, more diabetes, all these things, which uh, may be true. But also what else did they eat? Because if they ate meat five times a week, I guarantee you they were drinking Coca-Cola. I guarantee you they were eating bread. I guarantee you they were eating spaghetti. I guarantee you they were eating candy. I guarantee you monster energy drinks. I I want to know what the fuck they ate. I don't tell me that because the people that ate meat more, because people that eat meat more generally, if you go by the narrative, the same kind of narrative that you have about nuclear power, that it's bad for you. If you, if you go by that narrative, the people uh-huh. that shuck it off and don't give a shit, those are the same people that smoke cigarettes and drink whiskey. They don't care if it's bad for you. They're going to eat meat, right? But that doesn't mean meat's bad for you. No. Because if they did a real study on, like, what happens when people eat nothing but grass-fed meat from and fruit and vegetables from an organic farm? Let's right. monitor that. Right. And I, I bet they would do a lot fucking better than the standard American, right? right? That's the problem. The problem isn't meat. The problem is what kind of meat? What are you eating with meat? People have been eating meat since the beginning of time. Sure. It's not, that's not the problem. And if you look at human beings, you look at photos of people on the beach in 1970, right? Yeah. You ever see that? Or 1950, yeah. 1960? And then look at people on the beach today. Yeah. That's not meat. That's not meat. That's sugar. That's sugar. That's you're talking about obesity. Abund- yeah. Yes, an abundance of complex carbohydrates, an abundance of sim- simple carbohydrates, an abundance of food, just too much food. I noticed Way that, more yeah. food than your body is burning off, and you get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the food is addictive. It's addictive. Especially, especially during the Depression, 1930s. The oh, my God. In those tiny. photographs, <laughs> they, it's uh, quite shocking. That yeah, they didn't. Well, also, preservatives have allowed us to like store things on shelves. People binge eat in the middle of the, the night. Hand, it's like On the other hand, we did muscle up a lot, didn't we? Oh, yeah, we got more jacked. Yeah, we, I think people also learned, too. They ate more, ate more protein, got larger, learned how to exercise better. It became more of a thing. Like, actually, you really should just do it. And whereas before, it was probably seen as a luxury. You know, people had to work all the time. It was harder lives. They didn't think of uh, getting fit and muscular as being important. What about women? Yeah. Do you ever talk about that with them? I mean, why did, uh, should they work out? Oh, yeah. Everyone should work out. I think every, just to maintain your body. You just want to do it in a way where you're not going to get hurt. That's the most important thing. Do it in a really smart way. If you can, do it with a trainer. But everyone should do something, whether it's yoga or push-ups or sit-ups and chin-ups and bodyweight stuff. You can get a, an amazing workout done with a chin-up bar and just your body, just your physical body weight. You don't really need to go to a gym, but you really should get someone to show you how to do stuff if you don't know how to do it. And it helps if someone can help you write out a, a program that's like a good program for someone who's, if they assess like your uh, physical ability, they don't, you don't want to get 
like a person who just started to go run like David Goggins. That would be ridiculous. But you want them to be able to build up and can and, and build up in a way where their body's recovering and they, they continue to push themselves, but they're not getting hurt. Yeah. That's uh, that's what you got to do. And I say that to everybody. I think everybody should do that. I mean, it's just my suggestion. I know people that are very happy that don't um, they don't exercise at all. It is possible. It's just not possible for me. And I don't know what it, what it's like for everybody else because I'm not you, but uh, I can only tell you how it feels for me. And for me, you know, I uh, I believe the people that say they don't need to exercise. Maybe everyone's different. It seems like we are anyway with everything yeah. else. Yeah. But for most people, if you just want to maintain your physical frame, if you want to maintain your functionality of your body, I really think it's imperative. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what makes less sense. If you just, if you don't use your body, it breaks down and then you can't get around and that sucks. And when you can't get around, then you would, we'd be willing to do anything to get it motion again. Well, you can mitigate a lot of that by exercise. A lot of it. Just keep your body fit and strong, and you don't have to worry as much about all the things that plague people. You're going to have to worry. We're getting old. But <laughs> you worry less. You worry less if your body works well. Mm -hmm. Much less. Well, you know, <laughs> we got onto this with climate change. Yeah. I uh, was saying to you that, you know, climate change, if it didn't exist, which I believe it does, but if it didn't exist, I'd still, I'd still advocate nuclear energy because it's clean yeah i think i think that's absolutely a, a great point and uh the ipcc when they did their you know that's it's i believe them they their body of scientists is a lot of them i mean it's mm -hmm. i think 200 of them. no you, i believe in them I and do. the ipcc says 2050 is uh, is a marking point that uh, they made and they you go back and you check their charts from 1980s and you find that from 1980 to 2000 they were accurate and then you go from 2000 to 2020, and they're accurate, very close to accurate. Mm -hmm. In fact, they were a little bit more optimistic. But uh, now, this, so you have to believe it as a 40-year span. Now we're looking at this. What doesn't make sense to me is the illogic of pursuing this path of CO2, considering these charts and saying what they're saying. I mean, what? Yeah, absolutely. You see the hurricanes, My, you yeah, see the absolutely. wind, you see that the storms are bigger, mm -hmm. it seems to me. Well, I don't know if they're bigger. I, I think uh, they're, they're, I think the uh, new argument is that, what is, what is the actual stats on, because I, people say that all the time, like storms yeah. are bigger yeah, than they've it. ever been before. I don't think that's true. Oh, really? I think the storms have actually lessened in intensity, but increased in um, the amount of them. I think that's the data. Uh -huh. But all of it's not good. Whatever we're doing. See, the, the problem with me with climate change is that I, 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 I always get wary when things become ideological. Exactly. When people start talking about it like, you know, like, listen, you've got to act now. And if you don't, I'm like, oh, hold, hold on. How much do you know about this? And how much are you just saying a narrative? Right. Because a lot of people want to argue ferociously yeah. about a narrative that they, they didn't even really looked into that much. And it's... That's the thing about on both sides, even the Republican side, the people that want to dismiss it. Like I was having a conversation with a guy at jujitsu once, of all places. Like, it's a natural cycle. No matter what, it's a natural cycle. The, the earth warms. I go, how much work have you done on this? Do you know how crazy it is to like, be that sure yeah. when no one's sure? Right. That's the whole reason why they're having this debate. It's because no one can definitively prove how much of an impact we're going to have on us in 100 years, or 150 years, or what's going to happen. 
No one can. How can you be so confident that it's just a natural cycle? It's, but it's a right wing perspective. Like he had bought into this. It's all bullshit. It's a natural cycle. I'm like, bro, how do you know? But you, you know because you don't like the people that think that we have to ban uh, cars that use internal combustion engines. You don't like the people that think we have to stop and close coal plants. You don't like those people. You think those people are annoying. So you've decided to be annoying in the opposite way. <laughs> right, right. And that's what it is. Yeah, but when, when you go to a city with horrible air, like, yeah. like Los Angeles used to be, like India is mm-hmm. now, well, how do you feel? Terrible. Yeah. Well, there's also an issue with brake dust. You know, when you're in a very crowded urban environment, you're, you know, brake dust, that stuff that you get on your wheels? <laughs> no, no. You don't know what brake dust is? No. Um, when you're using uh, the brakes in your car, what's happening is there's this hydraulic pad that presses against a disc. Mm-hmm. And the friction of that is what stops your car from moving forward. Right? Okay. So when that happens, it makes powder. And this powder goes in the air and the powder gets all around your wheels if you've ever cleaned your wheels if you ever have like a, a nice car and you let them clean your wheels there's all this black shit in there that black shit is brake dust mm-hmm. and that black shit's everywhere it's all over the place brake dust contributes to 20 percent of the fine particulate matter pollution compared to just seven percent contributed by exhaust fumes Phew. As all cars give off brake dust, there is no such thing as a truly zero-emission vehicle. Mm. An electric uh, car, same thing? Yep, same thing. Same method of, of, slowing of, the car, yeah, of slowing the car down. It's the most effective method we know of. And that's, that's what happens. Huh. Yeah. Does it happen less in carbon fiber brakes? Is it the same effect on carbon fiber brakes? Google that. Well, you have an encyclopedia here. Yeah, because they don't show up. What's what's interesting is when you have carbon fiber brakes, it doesn't leave that dust all over your wheels. At least I don't think it does. I don't, I don't think it leaves the same amount. Does it say anything? Uh, yeah, carbon fiber brakes brake dust. Jesus. Yeah, here it goes. They're quieter than organic or metallic pads and produce less dust. There it is. They also last significantly longer, can tolerate a greater range of temperatures, and fade less as they heat up. Track report says, I have uh, a car that has those. Well, I'm learning a lot here. Yeah, carbon ceramic brakes produce virtually zero brake dust. I mean, like, they literally do not dust at all. That does not sound scientific. (laughs) Like, I says it. I mean, like, they literally do not dust at all. What's on the wheels will be what's on your paint, normal road dirt from driving around. Yeah, well, that's, then, what, that's what I've found just from driving around with my car. Let me ask you this question then, because you, you make me very curious. Uh, I'm, that's I'm, the pessimism in the air that you feel the dystopia in movies, you constantly see it, hate those movies, you know, it's yeah. always about negative, uh, the sensational stuff, and the news is awful. The media is just thrives on sensational bad news. I mean, yeah. it's, Wars, this, that. So uh, they make you afraid. Uh, do you think this is like we should be afraid? Do you want to live afraid? How, how, what are you afraid of? Those questions. I don't think we should be afraid, but I think we should be aware. And I don't think that um, the look this this demise fear it exists because it happens. 
like civilizations collapse. You can go visit ancient Rome. You can look around. You can see the Colosseum. They're not there anymore. Those people are gone, right? The people that built that. That's just going to happen. It's going to happen to us, too. And it's going to happen to us biologically, too. So there's, there's this constant fear of so many different things that we have that we carry around with us all the time as you hold a Day of the Dead skull. <laughs> so, you know, okay. I don't think it's How do healthy. We live our lives? I don't think it's healthy to live your life embracing that. I think you've got to be aware of it, but um, you've got to live in the moment, as stupid and corny as that sounds. That's the only way. Otherwise, you're going to be freaking out from anxiety. Yeah. If you, if you, don't, if you can't just live in the moment, you're always going to have too much anxiety. Yes. In, my, in my experience, with me, at least. That's what people, these people who talk about radioactive waste, they're, mm -hmm. they're thinking like yeah, 10,000 years ahead, and even then, it's, it's the radioactive isotope just decays and decays. Well, not only in that, fact, like if they really do have technology currently available where they can convert that into batteries. And well, that's great. This but, is... Uh, yeah, yeah. 99% it decays. So yeah. what's you can swallow the uh, 1%. Right. You can. You can swallow it? Yeah. Not a lot though, right? I really, Don't swallow well, it all the well, time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there is a certain amount of radioactive material in our bodies. Sure. The banana is very is the most radioactive of the foods I mean, we eat. I mean, you probably can find, you'll probably find some other foods that are I don't know what foods are radioactive. I know what uh, airplane Banana. travel is. Banana. Yeah. Uh, you want to check that out, James? I bet rocks are, aren't they? Like rocks? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, banana contains about 450 milligrams of potassium, and when eaten, exposes the consumer to about 0.01 mrem due to its K40 content. Wow. A, checks, a chest X-ray delivers 10 MREM. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Yeah. Interesting. So it's the tiniest amount. Yeah. Interesting. You need 100 bananas to get there. You need 100 bananas to get to that Maybe one? one. Oh, yeah. 0 0.1? Okay. Mm -hmm. What about air, air travel? Like, isn't that, oh, that like getting an X-ray? Yeah. They say stewardesses and, and pilots, absolutely. Three, Do they, three times the level. Yeah, are they in danger? No, they just absorb it over time. So their body gets cut. Some people will tell you. We're exposed to low levels of radiation when we fly. You'd be exposed to about 0.035 millisieverts okay, of cosmic radiation if you were to fly in the United States from the East Coast to the West Coast. This amount of radiation is less than the amount of radiation received from a chest X-ray. Okay. Less. Interesting. Well, that's th those are the most severe things, the x-rays, the dental, and, uh, they, and MRIs. When did doctors start leaving the room when the x-ray happened? I don't know. Like, when did they get hip to the fact, you get the fuck out of here. I'm doing this every day. I don't know. Well, I want to know that. When Because they must have stayed in the room for a while. Like, I want to see this thing like up the close. The office, they get really nervous. They're like, I'm going to go around bro. the corner. You stay here. Bro, it's like they're setting a bomb. This fucking, <laughs> this curtain it's over like you. they're setting a bomb. Yeah. Whew. When did they start doing that? I'm checking. I'm checking. I don't know how to. I'm, well, when, be, when you think about things like the Iridium Girls, you know, the, 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 that horrible. Yeah. Radium Girls, rather, the horrible. Well, now he killed, he died eventually from handling radium. Ah, right. You remember? Right, right. She, look what the. They started using shields. How many years of it? How many so. years of it did she do it? Okay, the shields. Okay. Have to be around then, right? They were wearing a shield, like a fucking. Like a jouster? 
no, well, I mean, that's what they give you at the dentist's office. I'm trying to figure out like how to. Uh, it's not giving me a great answer on when they started doing. Go to, can you go to Ramsar? M A R A M S A R, Iran. Just there was something interesting here. Ramsar. Yeah, that's the uh, radioactive, the springs that they go to. The oh, right. Iranians. Where you were saying in this area is. Here. Okay. Uh, HBRAs of Ramsar, gamma radiation levels are up to about 20 MSVHR at waist level, and a population of about 2,000 lives in this area. Annual exposure levels range from about 20 to 260 MGY for people in hot areas. So, And they don't seem to suffer any sort of health complications from this? Radioactivity is due to local geology. Underground water dissolves radium in uraniferous, uraniferous indigenous rock and carries it to the surface through at least nine known hot springs. These are used as spas by locals and tourists. Yeah. Wow. So they're getting a yeah. radioactive bath. And the black beaches of Brazil. Yeah. You can ask for that. that yeah, sure. That's another one. Similar sort of a situation, right? Yeah. Le uh, less radio. Can you run Black Beaches? Yeah, he's doing it. Brazil. He's just trying to find some good footage of it so people can see what it looks like. It's half, I don't know, half-ish of what the other one just was. But I don't know the comparison. Okay, so half-ish. So 170 MSV every year. Hmm. Interesting. It's a radioactive beach. That's a movie. Isn't that a movie? Yeah, it is. Oh, older. Old? Older, older. It's an M. Night Shyamalan oh, no, that just movie. Came out. Yeah, I yeah, I just watched it. it. Pretty good. It's one of them movies, right. you know? Um, what's called Old? Yeah. That's what it's about. about. Yeah. yeah. But in that movie, it's not so good. I mean, I don't want to give a spoiler alert away, but... Yeah. So, the, the concern that people have... Um, about radiation, about about overblown and overblown exaggerated. and exaggerated, and now that you put together this documentary, what's next? Like, how how else do you kind of get this message? Oh, we're, out? we're going everywhere. I mean, I'm we're, we went to all the uh, Harvard, we went to MIT, we're going to. How is it being received? Very well by people who know. Yeah, you know, it's I can't tell you. We haven't. We're going June sixth, which is next week. June 6th, we're going wide with the uh, digital. We'll be on iTunes, Amazon, Google, mm. Google Play. Uh, as as that's it's not a net, Netflix wouldn't take it. Really, I, that's why um, we have to struggle with this thing. We have to get the word out, and we have a great foreign in Korea. I think I have just contributed to a sale. I was just there. Why do you think Netflix wouldn't take this? Because it's controversial, and then you know it's the same. But they have a lot of controversial stuff well, on Netflix. Why are they scared of that? Even Game Changers is controversial. Well, okay. Why, why do you think? I have to ask you. I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. Well, that's what that's the problem. It just never, doesn't seem you like you never know why they turned down. The documentary is brilliant, and I, I can't imagine. I, well, it's why like, anybody would not want well, this to get Well, they turned down Untold History. They turned down Putin interviews. You know, it, you know it's just why? every time I go into a is it area. A, <clears throat> is it a business decision? I mean, what is that decision? It can't be. <sighs> untold History is also fantastic. Like, yeah. like what, what is that decision based on? Is it controversy? Are they trying to avoid a certain kind of political controversy? 
That's my fate. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, it's a bummer, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a bummer. So, but anyway, we get we'll get out this way, and we're gonna go. We'll, we'll go. You know, we just keep going around the world. I'm going to England to do a, a to address the Royal Institution of uh, something or other, and uh, scientists and. It's going to be available on iTunes. It's also going to be available on Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime Video. Google Play. Google Play. And uh, really, ladies and gentlemen, I can't urge you enough. Go go watch it. Watch it and take in the information because it's pretty stunning. And it's um, it's really well put together. And the fact that it's a difficult message to get out there is kind of disheartening because it really does have hope. It's, yeah. it's a hopeful yeah. film. Uh, it's it a ends. film that's like, hey, wake up. We've got a real solution. I wanted to make it hopeful at the end. And I, it has, a, I think, a very uplifting ending because it can be done. And yeah. why we behave like we can't hide from this. Right. We have to be like Hyman Rickover, that kind of attitude. Yeah. Go forward and can do. Can what, do. what kind of resistance have you re- re- received from uh, people when you're bringing this film out? Have there been any? No, I'll there... tell you exactly. I mean, some, we went to early, we, we went to Venice Film Festival, and, you know, I could feel that there was fear about it, you know, fear about it, screening it. Then, uh, you know, you send it to the U.S. festivals, like Telluride and uh, Sundance and those ones. And the, and one, one lady who runs one of these festivals told um, my agent, she says, you know, it's a great movie, and I hate it. I don't want to run it. That's sort of kind of strange attitude. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's like, no, it's going to co- create uh, controversy, but I, I just don't want to have anything to do with it. You know? So she might be from the 70s, that generation. She's, you know, listened to uh, Ralph Nader. She's terrified. Mm. She doesn't, I don't know. Well, it's one of those things. I, I in growing up with the fear of Three Mile Island and Chernobyl, yeah. I, I was terrified of nuclear power. I, I was glad when they stopped using it. When I heard they were still using, it, I was like, "That's terrible. Why would they use nuclear power?" Because I didn't know. Because we we were. I had no politically correct. That's right. What. Well, it was just this message, and again, it's a great plot line for film. Yeah. So for I wish so many I could movies, do it as a fiction, but I don't know how. Maybe I can come. Someone, one of your customers. Yeah, how could you do it as a fiction? I feel like you you could. I'm but, sure. But it's true. It would happen. Hmm. But the, you'd have to figure out some way where it's significant that it happens in a two-hour film. Yeah. Something that's going to take place over the next like five, ten years of construction of these. Well, the problem is you get into a female scientist saves the world kind of scenario. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. It gets to be yeah. You know, the, the woke, lone scientist wokeism and shit. yeah, that's what happens today, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very strange. You know, the guy who made uh, Big Short, he was very talented, uh, Adam McKay, and he did that film with uh, star cast about. Uh, he thinks the world is going to end in six years, he told me, you know. Mm. Uh, really, he thinks there's a definite date. Uh, you know, you, there are a lot of strange theories out there. You saw the film I'm talking about? No. DiCaprio, Streep was in it. What movie is this? It was, what is it called? I don't think I saw it. Adam McKay, last film. Yeah. Yes, you saw it. I bet I didn't. I have terrible taste in But movies. it was bogus in the sense that it was about an asteroid or something. Don't look up is what it's called. Don't look up. Yes. Oh, I didn't. I didn't watch that. <laughs> and was it? I heard it was good though. Is it about an asteroid? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. About an impending. Uh, yeah, see. I mean, problem coming. I heard it was great. Well, 
but I didn't watch it. Why not? Uh, I just didn't have the time. I just other things were more interesting to me. Uh, there's uh, water in this thing too, if you'd like. Oh yeah, uh, and there's coffee as, as well. If you yeah. Want some of that. Um, not not that it wasn't interesting. I just never. You know, it's like there's so. It's really just a abundance of choices. There's so much to watch. Like I, I definitely want to watch it, and I was going to get around to it eventually, but I don't watch that much stuff. I'm too busy, so yeah. I don't have the time to like. Be, if I'm going to do that, it's like once a week, twice a week. You watch so it's really hard game? to catch up. Do you see the last six game? I I did not. No, you did not. I, I generally don't watch, watch basketball. But it gets exciting at the. It when is very you, exciting when you get to the competition. No, I love when I do watch it. I love basketball. I love any athletic events. I love watching people compete. It's exciting. Yeah, it's fun. I enjoy it a lot. It's just uh, I can only watch, the, 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 for the amount of time that I have and the interest that I have, I can only really watch one sport. Which is jujitsu or Mar- Martial arts. Martial arts. Yeah, so that's, that's really, it's combat sports. It's the Did, only sport that I, I really watch oh, on a regular you, basis. Which one UFC. is that? UFC. That's UFC, UFC but the combat sports, that's boxing, wrestling, that's everything. Like I, watch, that's the, I concentrate on combat sports. Are you going to watch the seventh game, which is on Monday night, tonight? I do not know. You should. I may this force is, myself to watch it great, now. <laughs> it's a great story, you know. That was a great story? Yeah. Let's go on, tell me the story. Because uh, what you might call it. Jamie thinks it's so funny. I know how much we have to catch you up, Joe, to find out what's going on <laughs> tonight impossible. in Game 7. There's a whole lot of stories. One team is, was up 3 nothing. Which team? In, uh, the uh, Miami Heat. Miami Heat. They were up 3 nothing. 3 nothing, And the other team, uh, Boston Celtics, they've been around forever. Oh. They came back. They won the last three games. By oh the skin of the teeth. Oh and boy. now Never here we are. What's, teams have tried. what's the what's really? Yeah. So this is the first time anybody's got to three zero well, and one up coming back. That they've gotten back to the seventh game four times, but only one so, time in like the last thirty years. Wow. So the question to me to a sports fan would be what's what's the outcome? What's is it gonna work for the for the underdog now or No, I'm excited. Or does the one who was the original underdog was uh, Miami. I wasn't excited until now. No Celtics have been terrific team and they have great experience and here they were down and they've come back so what is the what is the outcome it will the gods intervene uh, the, the trojans or the or the uh, the trojans or the uh, greeks i mean you yeah. kind of have to know it's a battle you know well that's why things of chance are so fascinating yeah that's why boxing is so fascinating yeah. So I, did you watch the uh, um, Devin Haney uh, Vasily Lomachenko fight? No, I missed it. It was uh, this insane fight, and Lomachenko, who is the older guy, he's about thirty-five years old, just served in Ukraine. He's mm. a Ukrainian, and he, he, he served protecting his country for like a year. Took a year off of boxing, mm-hmm. and then came back and had this insane fight with Devin Haney. It was insane. It was so good. It was just this crazy back and forth fight that most people thought, or a lot of people rather thought, Lomachenko should have got the decision, and he didn't get the decision. It's very unfortunate when stuff like that happens too, because then people don't appreciate how good Devin Haney's performance was, because they're, they're all they're thinking about is Lomachenko should have won. But Devin Haney fought amazing too. It was a very good fight. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a really, really top, high end fight. But like the consequences of that going into a fight like that, when you're watching something like that, like anything can happen. Any, it's such a wild risk that you're going to do this for a living, and then you're going to get to the pinnacle of the world champion, uh-huh. the greatest two 135 pound fighters alive, and they go to war in front of the world. Uh-huh. And watching something like that, to me, it's it's so uh, overwhelming. 
there's so there's so much. I'm so interested in it that I don't have really time for oh, this sports. On. What about dating? Do you date? No, I'm married. Oh, you're married. I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> well, I didn't yeah. know if you have, no, to- I, you have I time. Have time. For- <laughs> yes, I have plenty of time. I have time for stuff, man. But I, I have to be smart about what I do. And uh, I can't get too involved in too many different things because I get obsessed with them. I don't want to be watching all see, the basketball yeah. games. And then that's yeah. like if you think about how many hours a week it is. If you have basketball, football, baseball, all these different things that you're watching as well. Like, right. oh, there's no right. time left. Where's your time coming from? Right. There's no way. Right. So even though I think it's very enjoyable, I would enjoy it very much. I just stay away because I just can't get involved in too many different things. Well, I relax sometimes with idle time. I let myself. Okay, uh, I'm off. I'm off. I'm off uh, duty. That's and, a good move. And uh, I just enjoy uh, watching old movies, uh, which are have nothing to do with the world today, which is more like a fantasy life. I love that. I love fantasy. I spend a lot of time in it. I guess. Yeah, it's good to do. It's good to be bored too. It's good to just sit around. It's good to be idle. It's good to th- sit around and just be alone with your thoughts sometimes. I know. I think we're so constantly being inundated with other people's thoughts. Too it's much. like this is part of the thing that happens to with social media as yeah. well. I think it's uh, it's it's also just the way people behave on social media is an after effect of it. Is that you're just constantly inundated with people's opinions and thoughts on things because you're always looking at something. You're always looking at a television. You're always looking at a phone. You're always listening to music. You're always listening to people talk. There's always someone giving you input. Always. Except All when the you're time. As- except when you're asleep. Except when you're asleep. Do you sleep? Yes. Normal hours? Yeah, I get seven a night. I like seven a night, eight a night if I'm working out really hard. But seven a night is good. Uh, yeah. Seven a night seems to be f- functional. Uh, eight is ideal, right? But seven is like I can I can perform pretty well at seven. Uh, very good. But if I'm under seven, I get dumber by the hour. Like really? whatever the hour is, like if they're like five hours, I'm dumber than six. Four hours, I'm dumber than five. Well, like you it's, certainly, it's, certainly haven't been dumb today. You've been pretty sharp. Thank you very much. I got some sleep. On that note, I think uh, I should get out of here. Oliver, you're uh, a, a brilliant person, and I appreciate you very much, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I think your work is amazing, both your, your fiction films and these documentaries. And this one that you have right now, Nuclear Now, I think is one of the most important ones that I've ever watched because I think uh, you and this film and just the conversations about it can counter this sort of destructive narrative yeah. that people have about that. I hope so. Thank you, John. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Time. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye, everybody.